welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this November 2014 episode of the podcast, we're going to focus on using DNA for your genealogy. We're going to start this episode over at the publisher's desk, where Allison Dolan will reflect back on the evolution of DNA in genealogy. It's come quite a ways in a relatively short period of time. Then in the top tips segment, genetic genealogist Cece Moore will be here to talk about her work on the very popular Finding Your Roots television series on PBS. In our 101 Best Website segment, Bennett Greenspan, the founder and president of Family Tree DNA, will give us a tour of the website and help us figure out the best way to get started in DNA testing. Then it's over to the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, where instructor and author of the Genetic Genealogist blog, Blaine Bettinger, will discuss how DNA can help you bust through your brick walls. And finally, we will wrap it all up at the Genealogy Insider blog, where editor Diane Haddad will give us a roundup of some of the best DNA advice over the years from Family Tree Magazine. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the Publisher's Desk with Allison Dolan. We're going to kick off this episode devoted to DNA and your genealogy at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. You know, um, in this episode, we are going to be really delving into all of the aspects of genetics for genealogists. And I'm a little curious, just to kind of kick us off, what was your first encounter with DNA? Well, my first encounter with DNA testing in genealogy goes way back to 2002, where I attended the GenTech conference in Boston. And I think that was the first major genealogy conference to really dive into the topic. It was keynoted by Dr. Brian Sykes of Oxford University, who had recently authored a book that was getting a lot of mainstream media attention. It was called The Seven Daughters of Eve. And it was this idea that um, sort of all of modern humanity had descended from these, you know, seven different ancestral groups of women. So Dr. Sykes gave the keynote at this conference, and one of the most striking things to me about the whole experience was that genealogists could actually start participating in DNA testing for um, their research, and in the exhibit hall of the GenTech conference, you could participate in a new study where a group of researchers at BYU were trying to match up genealogy information with DNA information. And so you could go into this booth and you could give blood (laughs) to give your DNA sample and fill out a four-generation pedigree chart. And it just blew my mind. There were people lining up within the exhibit hall to have their blood drawn and donate their pedigree charts for the advancement (laughs) of genetic genealogy. Genealogists are such adventurous. (laughs) It's wild that when you think about it now that they just all jumped in. They did. Needles didn't scare them. They were more interested in the greater good, and I thought that was really great. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And it has evolved so much since way back then. Talk a little bit about that, because that first project was really just the beginning of things. 
Well, surely it was the beginning of things. That test study later became what many of us know as the Sorensen Molecular Genealogical Foundation, and that was purchased by Ancestry.com recently. And it collected over 100,000 samples over its time, and so a lot of people did participate. Of course, the way that we take DNA tests now is a lot different than it was. <laughs> There's no more bloodletting. No more bloodletting. Um, no, we quickly figured that one out. Um, you know, cheek swabs is a common way. So is mouthwash. You rinse and spit and you send your sample back and the companies are able to get the information they need from that. No needles involved, <laughs> which is great. Um, and a lot more people have done it over time. You know, I, I think it's pretty remarkable now. I feel like we've reached a critical mass that we didn't have in those early days, where in the early days you really had to have somebody else to test with you so you could compare. Now we're getting close to that possibility, that promise of being able to go to a test results database, plug in your results, and actually find a genealogical match that would, Mm -hmm. you know, be meaningful in your research. Also, comparatively, you know, back in those early days, you were kind of looking at your paternal line and your maternal line, only those two outer lines of your family tree, because mm-hmm. the testing wasn't advanced enough to tell us anything meaningful about those all those branches in the middle. Well, that's most of your family tree, so <laughs> kind of the possibilities were pretty limited um, in the beginning. But now, the autosomal testing, what we call that, those lines in the middle of your family tree, that's become a lot more advanced, and um, it allows some pretty awesome possibilities for your research these days. Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly, I mean, you were talking about way back in 2002. I mean, we're talking just a little over a decade and things have have gone so far in such a short period of time. Now, we're going to be talking to lots of uh, great experts and people with um, tips and information about how we can personally use DNA in our own genealogical research. Do you have some tools or resources for us there at Family Tree Magazine? Absolutely. Well, of course, we've been covering genetic genealogy in Family Tree Magazine since that um, early time in in 2002 and later. And so Diane's going to tell us about some of those helpful articles from our archives that um, will be able to assist you. Even going back to see how it's evolved is really helpful to understand the possibilities. And we've run some great articles recently that um, I think folks will find useful. Of course, we also offer a number of um, educational programs through Family Tree University, and we're going to tell you a little bit more about those in this episode. And then finally, over at Shop Family Tree, you can um, check out some great DNA guides that are produced by Genealogy Gems, Lisa's company, and they are sort of your quick reference tool to understanding DNA better. I think they're really great at giving you that snapshot of how you can apply genealogy DNA testing to your research. And so check those out at Shop Family Tree. Exactly. And that ties all back around to the story that you told, because um, the author that we lined up for those guides, Diane Southard, she was working for Sorensen back in the day. And I remember her telling me stories of, of having to have special, you know, permission to carry blood on airplanes <laughs> as they were hauling the blood back and forth, you know, in those early days of, of genetic testing for genealogists. It's kind of exciting. It's come so far. So 
wow, she does a great job of really explaining that in such easy to understand terms that you get the most out of it. And that's what we're going to do in this episode. Get the most out of using DNA for our family history. Thanks so much for kicking us off. Thank you, Lisa. PBS television show Finding Your Roots features the use of DNA analysis prominently, and that's gone a long way in helping bring DNA into the consciousness of family historians across the country. And even though it can look a little bit quick and simple on TV, of course, a lot goes on behind the scenes to make it all happen. And in this top tips segment, the series genetic genealogy consultant CC Moore is joining me to talk about the DNA work on the show and to share some insights that might just help you in your genealogy research. Cece is the co-founder of the Institute for Genetic Genealogy, an instructor for a number of courses and conferences around the U.S., and the author of the blog, Your Genetic Genealogist, and also Adoption and DNA. Welcome to the show, Cece. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. You know, um, genealogy television programming has become quite popular with several of the shows that are on the air now. But really, I think Finding Your Roots was not only one of the earliest entries, but also it really pioneered the use of DNA in the search. How did you become involved in the show? I invited uh, Dr. Gates to speak at the DNA Day the first DNA day at Jamboree, Southern California Genealogical Society's Jamboree. And he agreed, kindly agreed, and he was our luncheon speaker. And afterwards, uh, Dr. Joanna Mountain from 23andMe told him he should stay and watch one of my speeches. And he did. It was sort of nerve-wracking up there giving it (laughs) and sitting in the back. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as I was done, somebody grabbed me and said he wanted to speak to me. And he offered me the job on the spot. He said that he had been looking for somebody to do specific genetic genealogy work on the show. And he thought that I would be perfect for that. And as it's turned out, it's it's been actually uh, perfect for me. It fit a lot of my different experiences in the past, not just with genealogy, but script writing and things like that. So it was a big surprise. Uh, not something I ever thought I would end up doing. In fact, season one, I had reviewed the DNA used in each of the episodes of Finding Your Roots. And when I was writing that, I never thought that I would actually be the one doing the work later. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that amazing? How fun. Now, obviously, there's a lot of different cases that you're working on. And I'm curious, do you rely heavily on one particular test when you work with the show? Or are you really tailoring the testing to specific genealogical questions? You know, it really depends. We make sure that we test all the guests at all three of the companies offering DNA testing to genealogy. We want to use every single resource and tool that we have at our disposal. And so we want to try fishing in all three of the ponds, uh, as we say, to try to find something interesting. And that also means looking at all three types of DNA. So oftentimes, I'm just trying to find anything of interest that we can use in the show. So I look at autosomal DNA, I look at Y-DNA, I look at MT-DNA, and I look at all three of the companies. Now, other times, we'll have a specific research question that comes up when the genealogy research team is looking at it. And they'll contact me. For instance, a typical one would be for an African-American guest. They'll identify a slave owner of one of uh, the guest's ancestors. And right away, we want to see if there could be a genetic relationship. 
So when we do that, uh, we'll often look at Y-DNA and autosomal DNA, depending on uh, who we have available to test. That's that's great. And it's it's helpful because I think um, many people think of DNA testing as kind of one test, and it's really not. And it's really married together with the question at hand. Now, before we dig a little more into that, I know you've got some great tips for our listeners. Um, give us a rundown. Who are these three testing companies, the main ones that you're working with? We work with Family Tree DNA, Ancestry DNA, and 23andMe. And we use the autosomal DNA testing for all three of those companies. And then on a case-by-case basis, I will add Y-DNA or a full mitochondrial DNA sequence from Family Tree DNA. Okay, great. Now, um, we know Y-DNA is the male line. Mitochondrial is the female line. Um, Autosomal is getting more on people's radar. Can you give us the elevator speech on what exactly does autosomal do? Sure. Autosomal DNA is inherited from all of our ancestral lines. So you carry little pieces or big pieces of DNA from all of your great-grandparents. And your great-grandparents inherited theirs from their great-grandparents. So we're made up of our ancestors going back in time. Now, as Bonnie Bettinger has written on his blog, The Genetic Genealogist, uh, we have a genealogical family tree and a genetic family tree. Our genealogical family tree includes all of our ancestors going back in time. But our genetic family tree is only a subset of those ancestors. So we have all of uh, our second great-grandparents' autosomal DNA and probably all of our third. But when you start getting further back, some of those ancestors fall off your genetic family tree. So autosomal DNA is very, very good going back about six generations. But the one big misconception is that it can't work going further back than that. And I use it all the time for much more distant ancestor research. It's just that you can't disprove a theory if you're looking past second cousins, but you can uh, help support a theory using data from autosomal DNA further back. Oh, interesting. Okay, that that really helps define it better. Uh, now, you obviously have seen a lot of different cases and scenarios, and I'd love to have you share some of the tips, things that you've picked up along the way, and things that you think that people, particularly new to DNA, uh, need to keep in mind. Okay, well, one thing in particular is that autosomal DNA has really increased in popularity, and it's certainly my favorite type of DNA to use. But I don't want people to forget about Y-DNA and mitochondrial DNA because it still comes in very useful. For me, very often I'll use it. And I'm not just looking at the direct lines of the person in question, meaning I'm not just looking at the guess father's, 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 father's line on the Y-DNA. For example, if there's a slave owner that we would like to see if they're actually a genetic ancestor of the guest, what I'll do is I'll try to find a son of that slave owner and then his son, his son, his son coming forward in time, so doing reverse genealogy or descendancy research to see if I can get a Y DNA test on that person. And then I'll try to trace the enslaved ancestor, if it's a male, of course, of the guest and then trace his line forward in time along his direct paternal line to his son, 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 and then compare that Y chromosome and see if it's matching. And I think a lot of people forget that they can still use Y DNA or MT DNA in the inner branches of their tree. They just can't use themselves as the tester. But if they use reverse genealogy, 
and they're able to identify descendants on those lines, they can compare those. And it's a much more specific answer that you'll get. You may get an autosomal DNA match too, which is fantastic, and it helps to support the theory, but uh, you don't know for sure it's coming from that line. But with a Y-DNA test, you're looking at a very specific line. So as much as I love autosomal DNA, I don't want your listeners to forget that we still have these other types of tests that can be very valuable. And in many of my cases, I'm using more than one type of DNA. So I'm looking at autosomal DNA in conjunction with Y-DNA or mitochondrial DNA. And I use the X chromosome all the time in the cases as well. So I think people um, sometimes think of these tests in independently of each other rather than that you can use them in conjunction with each other. That is so well said. And it's such an important concept, I think, for the listeners, anybody interested in using DNA for genealogy. And you've actually packed a couple of really important ideas in there, not only the fact that we can use them in conjunction, but to not forget that the genealogy research goes hand in hand with the DNA. I think oftentimes people will run the test and they think that the results stand alone and tell them something. And you've really described a whole process of you are working in particularly reverse genealogy right alongside, you know, bringing in the results and having it all kind of come together in one big picture. Well, uh, thank you so much for giving us what we wanted to hear, which is just some of that great background and some of the really usable ideas and tips that you've incorporated yourself that we can start to look to in our own genealogy research. Cece Moore, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And good luck to everybody. Our 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, it makes perfect sense for us to take a closer look at one of the leading DNA websites, Family Tree DNA. And here to tell us more about it is its founder, Bennett Greenspan. He's the president and chief executive officer, and he's also the managing partner of Family Tree DNA's parent company, Gene by Gene as well as the project administrator of several surname DNA projects and a genetic genealogy lecturer. He's a busy guy, and we're glad to have him here. Welcome to the show, Bennett. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Well, Family Tree DNA is certainly a name that we've all heard in the DNA uh, space. And my understanding is, is it's the first American company to offer genealogical testing directly to the public. So I'm curious, when did you realize Uh, that DNA had a a commercial possibility and kind of a mass appeal for family history? That's a great question. In 1999, I was doing my genealogy working on the one line of my eight great-grandparents that I had never researched. And when I completed researching that line of all the American cousins, I put the name into a database And I found someone searching for the same last name and claiming to come from the same ancestral village that we came from, except they were living in Buenos Aires, Argentina. So I reached out to them and tried to put our paper trails together, but I wasn't able to prove to the satisfaction of a genealogist that we were really related. And as I thought about my problem, I realized that I might be able to employ molecular biology to answer this simple genealogical question, which was, were these folks in Argentina 
related to a male cousin of mine in California. And that really mm-hmm. began uh, this odyssey. There were no DNA testing companies offering the service at that time. So, so to speak, I had to go and reinvent that wheel. Wow. And see, that's fantastic because it's definitely a story where it's born out of a necessity and it's come so far. Now, Family Tree DNA is helping all kinds of people around the world answer those questions. Are we really related? So let's talk about the site. We're talking about FamilyTreeDNA.com. Bennett, for somebody who's listening and they're thinking, oh, okay, I want to give this a try. How do you recommend that they approach the website? Well, the first thing I ask any person, either on the phone or if they email me or if I'm at a show or if I'm lecturing somewhere, is I ask the individual, what are you trying to accomplish? Because there are three different types of DNA testing that we can do. We can look at a man's line by testing a male that would look at his father's 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 line. We can test either a man or a woman to look at the direct mother's 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 line. That's called mitochondria testing. And then the third type of DNA testing is called autosomal DNA. It's very interesting, but the results tend to be considerably more confusing because with autosomal testing, you receive the DNA from your 32 great great, great grandparents, although we don't necessarily know which of those grandparents you receive that DNA from. And so you might end up with matches and have a difficult time figuring out how you're related. In other words, why you share DNA in common. So the first thing someone should determine is what they're trying to accomplish. If your name is Carter, and you think that you're related to a famous American president, and you're a male, you should take a Y-DNA test, join the Carter Surname Project, and then once you get your results back, you'll easily be able to determine if that connection is real or if it's just an oral tradition in the family. If, on the other hand, you have an oral tradition that says that you're mother's 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 mother going way back even centuries back was native american for example you can Mm -hmm. take our mitochondria test and that will show if you come from an anthropological group of people in other words a group of people thousands of years ago that have a dna signature that's typical of native americans However, if you just want to look at a broad stroke of your DNA and get ethnic percentages so that you can see if you're 57% from Northwestern Europe and 12% from Scandinavia and, you know, and the balance from Southern Europe, then you'd want to use our family finder test, which will connect you with people who share those 32 great-great-great-grandparents in common, and it will provide ethnic percentages. And is that the autosomal test? Yes, that is the autosomal test, and we call that Family Finder. Great. And when you visit the website, you'll see those right across the front of the homepage, YDNA, Family Finder, and the mitochondrial. 
And that brings us to the website when uh, someone has asked themselves that question, what am I trying to accomplish? I assume that uh, will the website kind of direct them who should take the test? As in, do I ask my uncle or do I take it as a woman? Or, you know, how, how do we determine then who takes the test? Well, we have built a very comprehensive learning center that you can go in and search and find from the hundreds of answers to typical questions that we get asked. Uh, Hopefully, you'll find the answer that you're looking for. However, if you do not, we encourage you to contact us at info at familytreedna.com, or you can look on the contact us section uh, down at the bottom where there's a site map on the main page of the website and give us a call. We do not want anyone to test the wrong test, and we're happy to, via phone or via email, work through your questions to make sure that DNA actually can answer the question that you have. Oh, and that's such an important point. <laughs> and it's nice to know that that Family Tree DNA is so interested in making sure that that happens. And uh, Bennett mentioned the Learning Center. You'll find that under the resources link at the top of the homepage for Family Tree DNA. And Bennett, once we've run our test, we get results. Do we still work with the website? Or do Are the results delivered to, to us that way? Absolutely. And a great question. Uh, we provide a personal page that is behind a user ID and password. So it's private to you, and that will show you the results of any test that you've taken. That will show you the name of the person or people that you match. You'll be able to click on a link on your personal page, and you'll be able to send that person an email, not through our server, but directly between you and them, you'll be able to see the country or countries where we have found people who have DNA that is similar to yours. We have a comment section that may say something like Native American ancestry or, you know, Scotland, et cetera, et cetera. So there'll be some more contextual information that you'll be able to get. And we also have a 30-page electronic book that you can download once you have come to the website that really explains how each of the Y, mtDNA, and autosomal DNA tests not only work, but how the results are organized and why they're organized in the way they are. But again, I want to encourage people who have questions to reach out to us and ask those questions. There's rarely a poor question, but unfortunately there are sometimes questions that are not asked. And those are the ones that are really problematic because we really want everyone to understand what they're doing. Our experience uh, tells us that a happy customer, a satisfied customer is the greatest advertising we can possibly have. We love that word of mouth. And uh, essentially, with a little bit of advertising in genealogical publications and great word of mouth, we've been able to build an industry, and we like the way that, that works. And so we certainly want to encourage it by making sure that all of our customers know what they're buying and get what they paid for. 
Well, and we hope that uh, having you here on the show will help encourage people to to hear that Family Tree DNA is there to assist them. And as Bennett said, um, if you're kind of sitting there with a question about, oh, which one do I do or what do I do with these results? That's your indicator that it's time to get back in touch with Family Tree DNA and uh, all of their tremendous resources. Bennett, this has been a wonderful overview. Thank you so much for taking time out to join us here on the podcast. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, as you can tell, this entire November episode has been devoted to DNA, and certainly DNA is a topic that we cover in the Family Tree University. There is a crash course on that, and in this crash course segment, we're going to talk to one of our instructors, Blaine Bettinger, who's here to talk a little bit about his perspective on DNA, as well as why you might benefit from taking a class before kind of jumping right in. Hi, Blaine. Hi, Lisa. Blaine, real quick, you know, I know for anybody who's been in genealogy circles or in DNA circles, your name has popped up. Tell us quickly about your background. Well, I'm actually an intellectual property attorney, but I have a PhD in biochemistry and genetics, and I I really became interested in genetic genealogy originally as a genealogist and then bringing in my, my science experience to the fold. And once I took my first DNA test in 2003. It's it's been nonstop ever since, and uh, so it's been a little over 10 years now that I've been doing genetic genealogy. Fantastic! And you do have a blog, correct? I do. My blog is thegeneticgenealogist.com, and it's almost eight years old now. And I write about a wide variety of topics related to genetic genealogy and and personal genomics. Yeah, you were really, I think, early on in in having a blog out there on the topic, uh, which was huge. I think genealogists were definitely um, at the forefront of finding, you know, seeing the DNA technology and seeing how it might apply to what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, in this episode, I've been getting a chance to talk a lot to many DNA experts. We've talked to Cece Moore and Bennett Greenspan. And I love being able to have them kind of give their various explanations of how DNA can help us in our family history research. So what's your elevator speech on why the genealogist should use DNA? Well, I think DNA is a fantastic tool, not only to learn about the mysteries we're all trying to solve, but also to confirm the lines we've spent so much time and energy and sometimes money trying to build in the first place. Uh, DNA is a great tool for confirming those sorts of lines that we've already looked into. So, for example, if you've been researching your paternal line and connected it with numerous other people across the country, across the globe, back hundreds of years, adding DNA, a DNA study to that really enhances your research and helps establish that what you've spent all this time and money on is is accurate and has been beneficial. And so that's one great aspect. Another aspect is it will help you potentially break through those brick walls that you've been attacking for numerous years as well. And so I think it's that, that twofold approach, confirming what you already have and using it to hopefully explore avenues you haven't been able to explore in the past. Yeah, and I love the fact that you're kind of 
speaking to a theme that we've been kind of flushing out throughout this entire episode, which is DNA is hand in hand with our research. I think many people, before they get into it, see it as it's this separate stream over here on the left and Mm -hmm. your research is over here on the right, but it's not. It's very interconnected. I'd love to have you speak to that uh, specifically as well. How, How does the actual tree that we're putting on paper or in our database interconnect with the results? That's a really great point, and I agree. It's one that gets overlooked. DNA is really just another tool. It's, it's like a census record or a vital record. It, it adds to the knowledge we already have. It's a very good tool to refute some research sometimes, and often it's a, it's a great tool for confirming research. And so the best way to use DNA testing is always, always in conjunction with traditional genealogical research. That's really the way to maximize the value of DNA testing. Yeah, and you were talking about adding it on. You know, if we've kind of fleshed out a a family tree line, getting involved in a surname study and and a DNA study on that name, you know, really brings another element. We may end up connecting to some other trees we didn't know about, right? That's absolutely right. And the great thing about it is that we're at a point now where you're not building this from scratch. You can often already connect with people who have done a lot of this work, people who have 100-member or 500-member Y-DNA projects or autosomal testing with people that have fantastic family trees. And so often you're finding new ways to connect with people and work together to collaborate on genealogy. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the common misconceptions? Any that you want to bust here on the show just to make sure that people aren't going down the wrong track? The first one is to believe that when you get your get your test results back, the work is all done. Really, what I think many people have found is DNA tends to raise more questions than it answers. Um, I think it's a very good tool for answering specific genealogical questions and for finding new genetic cousins with whom you can work, but expecting your results to provide all the answers to your research is, is, it's, it's not reasonable. Unfortunately, maybe 50 or maybe 20 years from now, who knows what, what DNA can do. But at the current time, it, it's unreasonable to think that you're going to get all your answers from doing DNA testing. It's a fantastic tool. It doesn't open all the doors, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Of course, nothing really does. So That's right. <laughs> it's all got to work together. I mean, That's right. To, to expect something of DNA that we can't really expect of everything else uh, doesn't really make sense. So That's right. great point. Now, you've got the 101 genetic genealogy course that is currently up and running. And then I believe there's a 201 in the mix. So it's it's coming down the pipe. Tell us first about genealogy. Is it Genetic Genealogy 101? That's the name of the course? That's right. That's the name of the course. It's, so how, how does that benefit the, the participants? Well, it's a, it's a great general introduction to genetic genealogy and the various different types of testing, Y-DNA, mitochondrial DNA, and autosomal DNA. And the benefit of the course is that many people have taken a genetic genealogy test and they get the results back and they ask, now what? What do I do with these results? And this course will help you maximize your investment. You've, you've spent money on a DNA test. You have these results. And this test will help you, or this course will help you 
learn ways to explore those results, to understand what they mean, to understand what they don't mean. Another great aspect is you you can ask questions one-on-one, not only of your classmates, but of me, and maybe explore some avenues that aren't necessarily in the course, but you've come to this with specific questions, and we can explore some of those because nine times out of ten, other people are going to have those same questions as well. So there's a lot of benefits to taking a a 101 course to to maximize uh, your DNA experience. And it's a really good investment, too, because while you might start, let's say, with an autosomal test or a mitochondrial test, in another year, you could be working on another line and realizing, ah, now this is the perfect point to do DNA. And if you really have that whole foundation of understanding of it, you're going to be able to bring it into your research throughout the years as as you work through your tree. The 201 course, how is that going to take it to the next level? 201 really focuses on autosomal DNA. And I think for a long time, Y-DNA and mitochondrial DNA were the real workhorses of genetic genealogy. And they're fairly basic. Understanding how they work and what they can do and can't do, it's, it's a lot easier than autosomal DNA. And, and we're really just beginning to explore the potential of autosomal DNA. The problem is that it can be very challenging and very confusing. And it takes a lot of work. And so one of the goals of the course is first to understand what your results are telling you, what they can't tell you, and then finding ways to use those results in, in third-party tools, in spreadsheets, ways to analyze them and compare them to, to squeeze every last bit of information out of them as possible. Mm, good point, because autosomal, that's dealing with uh, more than one branch, correct? That's right. It's, it's, it's a jumble of all your branches, and that, that <laughs> jumbling process is what makes autosomal so very challenging. Fantastic. Well, the courses that we're talking about, these are Family Tree University. They're online courses, and um, I'm going to have a link in the show notes for you to get over to the Genetic Genealogy 101 course, and then stay tuned because the 201 course is coming. And I got to say, having Blaine at your beck and call on a message form to be able to ask questions and really dig in, that's that's an incredible uh, opportunity. So I think that's really the big bonus of participating in a course like this. Blaine, it's always nice to talk to you, and I just couldn't do this episode without you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much. Well, it's been a terrific episode all about DNA, and I want to wrap things up over at the Genealogy Insider blog, where Diane Haddad has been blogging about DNA and your family history. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lisa. Um, I saw your recent article, Tips and Resources for DNA Testing in Your Genealogy Research, and I know in particular, Ancestry DNA has really been in the news lately. Tell us about that. Right. Well, DNA is getting more and more popular, and it's almost becoming something you have to do. (laughs) So one thing that um, is going on with Ancestry DNA is that they're improving the matches for people in their DNA testing and the, um, the volume of people they have testing is one way that, um, one thing they can use to help them improve these matches. And so what people will see automatically, they don't have to, um, people who've tested with Ancestry don't have to do anything for this to happen. They'll see better matches in their lists and then they'll probably see the list get smaller because some of those more distant matches will drop off the bottom. 
Right. So hopefully they'll get targeted, uh, higher quality matches. I think that's the goal, right? Yeah. It can be still pretty difficult for people to know what kind of tests they can take. And then once they get their results, how to, what to do with those results, it can still be kind of confusing. So, um, I listed some, uh, blogs and other resources people can use to kind of help them make sense of the whole, um, of DNA testing. Yeah. And this blog post that she's talking about is really a great resource for that. And it's a great way to wrap up this episode because we've talked to uh, several of these experts today on the show. And there's a lot of terrific um, blogs out there that you can follow to stay on top of what's going on. And of course, things are constantly changing, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one of the um, one of our favorites is the genetic genealogist. That's um, Blaine Bettinger, and he has worked with Family Tree Magazine and Family Tree University to help people understand genetic genealogy. So um, I've linked to that one, and um, your genetic genealogist. That's with CC Moore, who is um, pretty well known in the DNA circles. And then um, the legal genealogist, also, she talks about genealogy in the law, but she is also an expert in using genetic genealogy. So she has a category of DNA posts that people might find helpful. Fantastic. Well, um, I'm curious, do you have any tips? We've been kind of gathering all the the knowledge and know-how of our different experts here on the show today. What are some of your tips in terms of people who want to get involved in DNA? So one thing that I picked up from one of the articles that Blaine did for us is this strategy called triangulation, and he gives an example. It's a person named Helen who lived a long time ago. She was adopted, and so none of her descendants know who Helen's biological parents are. Helen had two children, and then each of those children also had children. So in order to isolate Helen's DNA profile and make sure that any matches are related through either her or her husband, the family would need to have descendants tested through each of Helen's children. Because if only one of those descendants was tested, a match to that person might be related through Helen, or it might be related through the person's other parent. All right. So, yeah, so if two cousins are tested and somebody in the DNA company database matched both cousins, then you know that person that match is related through either Helen or her husband. Right. And it's interesting that it can be used for um, adoption cases and that type of thing. And, And of course, as you mentioned in the blog, there's also those times where genetic genealogy testing uncovers surprises. Um, and you linked to a story that I had actually come across a couple days ago about one man's parents who actually divorced after he gave them the DNA test, thinking they're a gift and um, it didn't quite turn out that way. So there's always the human element involved, isn't there? Yeah, it's something that people should just kind of have in the back of their minds. Am I ready to be you know, possibly surprised and possibly unpleasantly? Exactly. 
Well, this is chock full. As I say, this blog post is chock full of great resources and links. So you'll want to check it out. It's called Tips and Resources for DNA Testing in Your Genealogy Research. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. And as always, you can find um, the Genealogy Insider blog at blog.familytreemagazine.com slash insider. Thanks so much, Diana. It's been a great episode. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for this November 2014 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, you'll want to stop by FamilyTreeDNA.com to learn more about conducting your own DNA testing, as Bennett Greenspan told us about. And then head on over to FamilyTreeMagazine.com slash podcast, and there you'll find the show notes for this episode. Those will include a link directly to the Finding Your Roots television series website, where you can learn a lot more about the show as well as watch full episodes. We'll also have a link directly to Diane's blog post featuring the best DNA advice from Family Tree Magazine. We'll also have a link directly to the quick reference guides for DNA that we talked about. Those are over in Shop Family Tree. There are four guides in the series, Getting Started, Mitochondrial, Autosomal, and Y-DNA. They'll answer all your questions to get started and also make the most of results that you've already gotten. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website at genealogygems.com, or you can listen to the free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available free through iTunes, and check your app store for the Genealogy Gems app. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. Mm -hmm.